Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Freedom of Species. Freedom of Species is a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. Recent podcasts, audio on demand and live streaming is available from the 3CR website. All podcasts are available from the Freedom of Species website and you can subscribe to the program via iTunes. And while you're there, if you give us a good rating, it does actually help people who are interested in animal issue podcasts to find us. So please do that when you uh, do subscribe to the program via iTunes. I'm Kate Elliott and it's good to be back behind the mic after a year in the wilderness. I'd like to thank the Freedom of Species team for putting on some amazing shows during 2016 and then jumping straight back into it in 2017 and today's program is a good example of that. We look behind the gloss and the bold statements made on government websites and we find out just what happens when you start asking questions. I am reminded in my first show back just how difficult it is to get answers from some of our government departments, departments who are funded and paid for through our public purse. So recently the Victorian Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning issued a permit to shoot corallas in the Kilmore Golf Course. But you wouldn't know about it because unlike planning permits, the community does not need to be alerted that a kill permit has been issued, or what they call it is a control permit. And even upon request, the details of the permit, how many birds are to be killed, by what means and over what period of time, and importantly, if there has been any non-lethal methods tried to deter the birds, all these uh, details are not released to the public. But thankfully, through the persistence of concerned individuals, we can share some of these details on the program today. And also, thankfully, um, we do have some good news. We talk to people embracing technology, technology that is proving to be cost-effective and long-lasting as a way of deterring birds without harming them. So please stay tuned. I'd been down to the local leisure centre for a swim after work on a Friday evening, um, and I'd walked out of there just after 7pm, which opens out onto a local creek, where I was sitting feeding uh, the Maggies and some of the water birds there. Where I'm sitting there is only a few hundred metres from the western boundary of the golf course. Uh, it's probably less than half a kilometre from the main street through Kilmore. And while sitting there, I, I heard a couple of bangs in the distance. It's either two or three. And I, I must admit, I originally thought 
it was just a, a car backfiring in the distance, so I didn't give it much thought until probably four or five minutes later when I heard it again a lot closer, a lot louder, and it was pretty obvious by then what it what actually was. My first thought was there was probably someone out um, just shooting kangaroos for fun or something like that. I really didn't know at this point um, you know, who it was and what exactly they were doing, but I thought, uh, this is a bit, this is right, I mean, off course, which is right in amongst the town of Kilmer. I thought, uh, it's a bit strange, a bit dangerous. So I thought, I jumped in the car, drove around, and parked on the edge of the course, hopped out, and I was just going for a stroll. I thought, this is the best way to, to, to find out what's going on. Um, and while I was walking along one of the fairways, a bloke trundled past in a golf buggy. I didn't notice he had something wrong in his hands, but I figured he was a guy out having a, a late round of golf. I didn't think twice about it at that point. But literally, two or three seconds later, I, I did realise in my peripheral vision he'd pulled up to stop. And again, I thought he was playing a shot. But then a moment later, there's an almighty bang. Uh, I turn around and I see a Corella falling out of the tree, hit the ground and fluffing around. Um, obviously severely injured. Um, I look, felt like I was running through underwater at the time because I was in full work gear, still cut boots and tied. So I was trying to run across to the bird thinking, oh, I need to get this bird and pick it up. So this guy's taken two pot shots at the, the flock that were obviously departing. And then he's walked up the bird just before I got there and has actually finished it off with another shot. This bird, meantime, has been flapping around in distress, trying to get away, and obviously couldn't. Um, and as he picked out the bird to walk back to the cart, I fronted up to him and asked if he should be doing that. Um, he said, oh, yeah, yes, um, I've got a permit. You can see it if you want. If you know, if you doubt me, give the golf club a call. They, they've asked me to do this. Um, yeah, so that's how I first came across what was going on. Kimmel Golf Club. So what have you found out since? Did you approach the golf course? Uh, this was a Friday evening. I rang the next morning um, and said, oh, I would like to chat to someone about what's going on with shooting the wildlife. And he said, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so, the, the, prof- the pro, the professional. So I took my number and he rang me back shortly after and explained to me they have a permit to shoot the Corellas because they're damaging, severely damaging their golf course. Lee Gardner is a local resident of Kilmore and since this initial encounter of what control permits look like, once they are enacted and shooting begins, he has contacted the golf course, the Kilmore Golf Course and the Government Department requesting further information. However, as we'll hear throughout this program... This is not such a straightforward task, or at least not as straightforward as you would assume. Both parties, the Kilmore Golf Course and the Government Department, DWELP, declined to be interviewed for this program. Nick Talbot, the Department's Regional Media Manager, did provide a statement, but it was quite Orwellian in nature. It it was very brief, and it could only be attributed to a nameless department spokesperson and the content 
consisted purely of grabs from the government website and fact sheets. There was one reference to the specifics of the Kilmore Golf Course and that stated that the department had been working with the golf course since 2015 to find a solution. Um, The reason put forward for why they couldn't provide more information was due to privacy laws. Nick declined to clarify which privacy laws they were referring to and also why this would trump the department providing information that is of public interest. So any of the information that is provided on the program has been hard fought for and has not been freely given by the Victorian Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. In the case of Lee, this information and knowledge has been gained through persistence. Lee has been out on the golf course for many weeks now monitoring it and writing emails and also making phone calls. And for Fiona Cork, it's been years. Fiona is an animal advocate who has a long history in challenging the government about the validity and the necessity of lethal permits. These permits are formally known as authority to control wildlife permits. The the permits are known as ATCWs, which is called an authority to control wildlife. Uh, The permits they issue are permits to kill, and permits to scare they can have under that. So you can have an authority to control wildlife to scare animals off the property, birds, um, and uh, also permits, as I said, to shoot, to kill, or with sometimes with birds it will be to trap and gas. That's what they usually do to corellas and cockatoos and galahs in very large numbers um, in Victoria. Uh, thousands are, are trapped and gassed every year. So they're trapped in nets and then they are placed into 44-gallon drums of carbon monoxide. The permit that was issued uh, for the Kilmore Golf Course uh, has just been confirmed to me that uh, the permit has been issued for 12 months uh, and the permit has been issued to kill by shooting 50 little corellas and 50 long-billed corellas. Um, and the feedback from the department is, and their claim to, to letters that they've been, their response to people who have um, been complaining to the government is that um, they've been working with the golf club for over two years, or since 2015, on the issue, yet it appears they haven't really been um, pushing the golf club to undertake and implement any non-lethal measures. Um, in that two years, it seems that uh, they've just been happy to issue permits. A permit was issued last year and a permit w- permit was issued again this year. So I don't understand what's been going on when they uh, say that they have been working with the golf club, which is my current debate with the, with the department. So Fiona, the department seems keen to refer people to their website for information. And I did read that, and this is a quote, lethal control of wildlife should only be considered when all practical non-lethal methods have been investigated and were proven to be ineffective or impractical in managing the wildlife problem. That's correct, Kate. Yes, the government's policy is and their public claim is that they don't issue um, a, a a lethal permit or a permit to kill unless all non-lethal methods and avenues have been exhausted. But in my experience, that is rarely the case. Um, Most often it seems that permits are issued to kill. Um, I think the Kilmore Golf Club is a classic case of that. 
Fiona Cork is a wildlife advocate with a vast experience in challenging the government's use of authority to control wildlife permits and encourages the government to use non-lethal methods to manage wildlife. Later on in the program, we will be discussing some of these potential non-lethal methods that could be implemented at the Kilmore Golf Course. We'll be hearing from a representative from a New South Wales golf course that is using technology to deter corellas and has been doing so for the past five years. And we'll also talk to the general manager of BirdGuard. BirdGuard is a business specialising in non-lethal bird deterrence from kites that mimic predator birds to the use of lasers. All these products are currently being successfully used by a diverse range of businesses from farmers, sporting fields and golf courses. But first, let's go back to Lee Gardner, the Kilmore local, and see what non-lethal strategies he's witnessed the Kilmore golf course to have implemented under the guidance of the government advisers. The only actual methods I've seen them use uh, I cut out wooden cut on this one green. It's obviously a 2D, 2D shape of, uh, I guess a wooden stretch of wood. Um, it's been cut in the shape of a cat, probably about a metre long at that, if that. Uh, maybe about half a metre high. Um, painted black, uh, with a couple of eyes. I think that's the only markings it has on it, from memory. And it stands on a a wooden stake. So there's a company that makes them, which seems ridiculous because it looks so basic, but apparently it's just something that's recommended for use in people's yards to deter the little birds away from their veggie patch, not on a commercial operation as well. So it seems odd that that would have been a, a, a recommended method. And they've also used some sort of polypipe, um, or length of polypipe, uh, as a mock snake I suppose and they usually had two of them beside this one green and I've seen another two beside another green elsewhere and that's they're the only things I've seen them use in terms of non-lethal methods. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855 AM Tune in and listen up. You're listening to 3CR's Animal Advocacy Program, Freedom of Species. Continuing the conversation about the non-lethal methods used by the Kilmore Golf Course to deter corellas, Fiona Cork. We need to put something in place that mimics uh, a raptor in corella areas or actually any bird areas when their main predator is a raptor. That's what you need to look at. So then again it makes me think that these wildlife officers know nothing again about wildlife. To say to the club, oh that's okay to use a cat, the wooden cut out cat and a bit of plastic pipe and then go, oh yeah it didn't work, oh well we'll issue you a permit to shoot because gee that should have worked. Uh, it's just, it's an absolute farce. I mean. And it's a tragedy because innocent birds are being shot and killed for no reason at all. Innocent birds are being shot and killed while meanwhile a device is working perfectly well on a golf course in New South Wales scaring them away. 
it's completely unnecessary and, and it's a terrible situation. I heard also a story this week about uh, Kerrang. Apparently uh, they shoot Corellas in Kerrang at the tennis club. But I did hear that a woman up there has, has actually stopped that. She's taken her many years. But also the golf club in Kerrang do it as well. And I heard that there were trailer loads of dead Corellas coming out of the Kerrang golf club. Trailer loads. So I've asked if anyone has any pictures, so I'm just waiting to hear back. I think the other thing that's important here, Kate, to also discuss is about the long-billed Corella. Look, I'm not, no, I am no way a cockatoo expert, but I've uh, been looking a few things up in the last few weeks. The long-billed Corella doesn't have a very large range. Um, they are similar to the Western Corella, which is a similar-looking bird from Western Australia, but they have been declared different species. So the long-billed Corella is pretty much only in Victoria and in southern New South Wales. Their range has spread a little bit more, um, possibly in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, but nobody knows how many there are of them. So while we don't know how many numbers there are, the department is issuing permits, 50 here, 50 there, 100 there, 200 there, and we don't know how many there are. I mean, most people by now should surely know the story of the passenger pigeon, uh, and the, which was one of the most abundant birds on earth in North America in the uh, 1800s. And within um, a very short time, uh, it became completely extinct. The last passenger pigeon died in, the, in a zoo in America in 1914. There are no more passenger pigeons on the face of this earth. But there were billions of them flying the skies. That story of the passenger pigeon is the one that is used uh, most regularly amongst um, extinction experts. Yet it seems we take no heed of that. Um, and it's very sad. Now, while the government and while cockatoos and the cockatoo family, including corellas and galahs and soft-crested cockatoos, are listed as being secure, as listed as being abundant, are listed as being common, we don't know how many there are of them. So with climate change, with um, agriculture and people applying for permits, we need to tread very carefully. But there's nobody there to do that. There's no government authority keeping tabs on that. It'll just be one day, oh, has anyone seen a long-billed corella recently? Oh, no. As I understand, the Kilmore Golf Club is now, after being completely harangued by the public, because the public was absolutely outraged that 100 innocent birds were going to be killed for a game of golf. The public was outraged that birds uh, were being killed uh, also because at this time of year, corellas and cockatoos have dependent young. So uh, that young corella will not survive on its own. It cannot eat because it totally relies on being crop-fed by its parents. Um, another reason I, I believe, and, and many other wildlife advocates do, that the issuing of a permit to shoot birds um, really brings up a lot of uh, animal welfare issues because a bullet could become lodged in a bird and that bird can still remain mobile and it will obviously after a period of time die a, a long slow death after infection sets in. Um, so and the other thing too is that this permit 
could possibly leave a lot of Corella young orphaned without any parents, so they just won't survive. So it's um, <clears throat> pretty poor all round, and as far as I'm concerned, it shows that the wildlife officer who issued that permit on behalf of the department has actually no knowledge whatsoever of wildlife to issue a permit when there's dependent young, to issue a permit to shoot. So there's obviously no knowledge of any um, wildlife or any animal welfare criteria here. So it's kind of really frustrating when the people at the department in charge of being able to look after our wildlife, and as far as the public is concerned, Kate, the public see the department as leading the way in managing our wildlife or even protecting our wildlife. But from my experience over a decade of doing this, the department is never there to protect the wildlife. They're always there more to what they call striking a balance, which is when problem wildlife occurs, that they will uh, issue permits to appease landowners. Um, I'm not sure if the case of this is, is because wildlife actually uh, kind of comes under the government's jurisdiction um, and... So if that wildlife is a problem to a landowner who owns that land, perhaps this is the reason why is that um, the government, it's up to the government to remove or do something about that wildlife because it comes under their ownership or their management, um, which is very frustrating. And it's very frustrating just not to see anybody leading the way in, in non-lethal measures. Um, we have currently an FOI or Freedom of Information request. Um, we're waiting to hear back from the department. It'll be interesting to see if there was ever an application or a permit issued for uh, non-lethal measures to be used at the golf club, i.e. scaring. So that will become apparent soon. But what I do understand this week, some feedback I've got from the department, is that the golf club are now wanting to pursue uh, non-lethal measures. That's only really because they were completely harangued by the public. Um, so they're wanting to pursue non-lethal measures and um, as far as I know the department uh, has intimated that they are applying for a permit to scare. That hasn't been processed yet. Uh, I asked the department whether the kill permit would then be revoked on the club because otherwise there would be two permits, uh, one to kill and one not to kill and apparently that won't happen. So um, while there is a permit uh, for non-lethal measures, there is still a permit for them to shoot. So yet again, they can still do whichever way they like. Um, I think it's really ridiculous to have two permits uh, out on the one property. It's either really one way or the other. I don't see how someone can make a commitment but then not want to give up their shoot permit. That was wildlife advocate Fiona Cork. On Freedom of Species today, we are discussing a recent permit issued to the Kilmore Golf Course to kill 100 corellas, a lethal approach to try and deter the large flocks that are attracted to the lush golfing greens, a very attractive man-made oasis in the corellas' natural habitat. We'll take a short break and listen to a tune, but stay with us because after the break we'll hear from somewhat surprising protector of wildlife, and that is the private sector. But first, here's a tune from Bernard Fanning and his song, Belly of the Beast. I heard him announce it during the week at a live concert. He said that it was his call for a show of leadership in this country, and considering I was producing this program at the time, I thought that is possibly what we need in this uh, for this discussion, and that is how do we live in harmony with our wildlife. 
and the leadership that is required to find the solutions to be able to do that. Bernard Fanning with Belly of the Beast. Whether it be grain solos, crops or golf courses, birds taking advantage of human endeavours is common and widespread. The Kilmore Golf Course is not alone when it comes to the impact birds can have on a business and that is why there are many solutions and importantly non-lethal ones. A quick Google search will result in numerous bird deterrent options from low-tech kites to high-tech lasers with the associated range in prices to match most budgets. Darren Stutchbury is the General Manager of BirdGuard. BirdGuard started in, in 1992. Um, uh, we originally were farmers and you know, we had a bird and bat problem and we developed equipment that solved our problem, so we started you know, doing that for other people. Um, it was originally um, mostly farmers who bought it, but these days... It's spread across the whole spectrum of society. Um, There'd be, oh gee, I think it's about 10,000 customers we have um, mostly in Australia, and we do sell this overseas as well. Um, But but it it is in every aspect of society, basically, whether it's domestic or industrial buildings or golf courses or or dams, all sorts of things. Uh, With Corellas, there's four basic products that we use uh, to repel Corellas uh, in golf courses especially. Uh, the, the Eagle Kite is uh, the main product that people use. This is a, a large replica of an eagle that flies around the pole in the breeze, and that's been quite successful in golf courses. Uh, there's an electronic device, which is uh, you know, connected to a battery. It's got some speakers. You can also use that, but you do need some sort of restraint because it does make some loud sounds. Uh, some golf courses have used the Birdguard laser, and this is a handheld laser device. Uh, it's more in situations where you have an actual night roost and you can use the laser to repel the birds uh, out of the tree so they go live somewhere else. And if they go live somewhere else, they're less likely to come back to your golf course. 
and for the very serious there's a device called the L100 and this is a handheld acoustic device it's quite loud it has very loud bursts of sound and this is something that we use to target very large populations so you can you know, move them out of a town or move them out of a whole golf course uh, and that, that also works quite well. So how do you advise which is the best product for purpose? If you were a fella from a golf course, um, I've explained to you that the, the Eagle Kite is the, is the product that the golf courses use the most. And for a couple of reasons, um, it works extremely well in Corellas. Um, it's also silent, um, so that you're not making any noise that's going to disturb people. And they're really easy to, to put up and move around. So that, that is, it's a very handy product, works really well in Corellas. Uh, they cost $468, so they're, they're not overly expensive. And just the effectiveness on the Corellas has been quite good. So uh, guys at golf courses will use them to you know, protect their greens, uh, which what Corellas seem to target the most. So how many kites would you typically need to protect a golf course from Corellas? The number of eagle kites that a golf course will need will, will vary from golf course to golf course. Um, some golf courses will just have like one end where they're attacking, so they might have two or three greens, so they'd get two or three kites. Um, if they were in a situation where every green could get attacked, well, if you want to protect them all at once, you'd basically need 18 kites. Um, uh, unless you want to move them around quickly and do all that sort of thing. So um, that, that will be very golf course specific, how many you need. How difficult are they to move around? The kites are basically intended to move around. It's, uh, if you imagine a, um, a, uh, like a fishing rod, seven metre high fishing rod, it's telescopic. Uh, it's very lightweight. Only one person is needed to you know, put it together and move it around. So it's quite easily done. So BirdGuard's been around for a while now. Have you found that these products are effective over time or do you need to implement other strategies as well, particularly with Corellas? Um, in our own situation, we, uh, we had a lychee orchard and we were, you know, we'd lose 50% of our crop every year, which is just crippling. Um, the electronic system we had, we had it running for 15 years doing the same thing every year for about four months of the year, 24 hours a day. Um, it got our losses down from a typical 50% loss every year to an average of between 1% and 3%. So that was after 15 years of use, so we we're quite happy with that. Uh, there, are, there are a variety of different um, uh, sound technologies, and some, uh, when you're using natural bird sounds, uh, sometimes birds can get used to that to a degree, and then that will depend on type of bird and the environment and everything but when it comes to using cockatoos and repelling corellas uh, we tend not to use those bird sounds we have a technology we call harassment sounds and they're, they're the exact opposite of using the traditional bird sounds uh, these sounds are they're, they're man-made noises uh, you actually play them more often the more often you play them the better they can work and that is something that you can leave in one spot for months at a time Darren Stutchbury, the General Manager of BirdGuard. And via email, Darren mentioned that 23 of his 47 golf course customers use the Eagle Kite and eight of these are from Victorian golf courses. And yet there are still more products, non-lethal products that you can use to deter birds um, and Corellas in particular. 
we are now going to hear from Rob. Um, he is from a New South Wales golf course, which is using a device called the Eagle Eye to successfully deter corellas and has been for the last five years. My name's Rob Dancaro. I'm the golf professional at Links Golf Course, located on the Shoalhaven region of New South Wales. And we have an 18-hole golf course here. It's a Link-style golf course located in a, a wetland. It measures 5,370 metres of approximate length. We've only been operating for about 10 years. So we do have a lot of wildlife in the vicinity, uh, which, which frequent the golf course, which is quite beautiful, really. But when you get birds such as corellas and crows that come in and uh, are destructive, obviously crows stealing golf balls and corellas digging up our golf greens looking for beetle or whatever the case may be, then that is something that we have to address. We had a terrible problem with corella birds recently, and we had to look at measures to actively deter the birds from landing on our golf greens and digging them up. Uh, I had applied to the National Parks and Wildlife for a permit to cull some of the corella birds, but that was ineffective because they didn't seem to be too worried about the um, impact they had on the golf course. So we um, looked at other strategies to uh, try to eradicate the damage that the birds were doing to our golf greens. We heard about the eagle eye bird control pyramids system which we investigated and purchased that about five years ago. So how does the eagle eye technology work? Well how it works is the eagle eye's reflective pyramid rotates via an electric motor sending beams around a menacing pattern. The light spectrum reflected back to the eagle eye disorientates the birds in flight by limiting their vision significantly. This causes the bird to deviate in flight and fly to another destination. So Basically, it, it, they look down on the eagle eye and it distorts their, their radar system and, and, and gets into their eye and, and they get a little bit uh, spooked by it and therefore they have to then move somewhere else. They have to get their, their flight path of coming into our golf course is, is distorted and it makes them go elsewhere. So they're not coming into our area, which is fantastic. You know, they're going to other places, which is safer for them and... Uh, Birds being very territorial, once they lose their, their radar on their and the destination that they're intended to go, they have to divert that elsewhere. And uh, fortunately for us, our golf course is in that horrible area for them, so they, they go elsewhere and um, don't fly over our golf course and subsequently don't land on our golf greens and dig them up and cause us problems. So, Rob, what was the cost to the golf course and how difficult was it to implement? cost it was approximately two thousand dollars i'm not sure exact figures and it's probably more than that now because as i say it was five years ago but uh the implementation was um it's a very very simple method it's just it's just a uh on a on a stick ours you can be a, we put ours on a a rod um which it came we just had to the green stuff had to assemble it very basically and has a little solar panel and it's it's movable it's got a little spike on the end so you stick it in the in the ground wherever you like so we put it out in various locations around the golf course that were problem areas greens that the corellas were targeting and we left it there periodically and moved it around when when necessary so uh that became very effective that uh, so we just leave it in the one spot now over in the area where they fly across our golf course and it seems to just work they don't come here anymore which is great but it is a very basic uh, thing. It's, it doesn't take a science degree to put the thing together. And once it's up, it's just uh, just 
way to go. Move it around as you need. And was it an immediate effect once you had installed the eagle eye? Not straight away, but after a few weeks, the birds did realise that this was not the area that they needed to do. <laughs> they, there was a deterrent for them, that's for sure. So I'd say within a couple of weeks, it, was, it became very effective. And here we are five years later, we don't see any Corellas flying over our golf course, but they are in abundant numbers in the CBD of Nara, which is about two kilometres a crow flies from our golf course. So, you know, we certainly were wary of it and worried that they that it wouldn't work because it took a little while. But once it once that two weeks or a little, there was thereabouts two weeks, um, don't quote me on that, but we certainly don't see any now. And it's uh, very effective and you know, we haven't, as I say, had to to destroy any of the species it's just a very basic thing where they see that they look down on it and realize that that's uh, it's a very it's a horrible thing for them to see and then <laughs> they just avoid the area have any of your members commented on the use of the eagle eye oh they were just wondering what it was and a lot of them were very uh very appreciative of the fact that we weren't actually killing the birds or doing anything like that and it wasn't causing any risks to uh the species at all uh, they're all for it they think it's fantastic it's a great great method to it doesn't intrude on the golf course it's just a very it doesn't take up much space it's just a very small little device that uh, is not in the way of the golfers and that they're obviously very happy because their golf greens are being saved and we've uh, we've not threatened the, the bird or the wildlife species whatsoever so it's it's a great thing for that and as a final question would you suggest it for other golf courses? 100%. I would recommend any golf course that has any problem with birds or corellas or crows, which are the, the two most destructive birds for golfers. Obviously, the crows, they steal golf balls, golf, golf balls when they're nesting, and that, that's also deterred the crows and the corellas without, with digging up the greens. So I would certainly recommend the Eagle Eye product to any golf course or any crop any farmer that has any issues with birds. Um, it's the best method of eradication or stop them from coming to their area and it's certainly been very effective for us and yes, I would certainly recommend it to anyone. For progressive people around the world, it's been a hard start to the year. Trump is rolling out his racist agenda, inspiring increased racial, religious and gender-based hatred across the globe. It really is time to rally together to fight for a better world. There is power in numbers and there is power in independent, community-run media. Join the swelling number of people fighting back by becoming a member of your radical activist radio station. Show us your love and subscribe to 3CR. Call us on 9419 8377 or pay online 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. This is 3CR's Animal Advocacy Program, Freedom of Species. We've just been hearing about the current technology that has been successfully used to deter birds, including corellas. With this technology being readily available, proven and affordable, it would seem to be the obvious solution for managing the corellas at the Kilmore Golf Course. However, this would appear not to be the case, as Sue Gribble has discovered. 
Sue initially found out about the permit to kill Corellas at her local golf course from her Facebook feed. In an effort to stop the shooting, she created a petition. Thousands signed. And for a time, it seemed to have an impact. And Sue was told that the permit had been made inactive. I got a phone call from a spokesperson of the minister's office who happens to be also stationed at the Hume office from where these permits were issued. She told me that the permit was deemed inactive. She told me that meant that in order for the green light to let the club cull again, it would have to be a decision made at policy level. But then I got a phone call. Sorry, she also told me that the club had pursued non-lethal method permits. Right, so to disperse with equipment, etc. I get told it's inactive. Okay, then Friday night after hours, I get a phone call from the same lady to tell me that the permit is in fact now active, but she didn't say more than what she said, just two birds. That were the words she used in order to examine stomach content stomach contents that can be examined for what reason under what scientific protocol is that where is the licensing where is the permissions where are the um, animal ethics papers to say this can happen these are all valid questions that sue raises but the department refuses to confirm whether lethal experiments to examine the contents of corella's stomachs is going to go ahead and if it does, whether the proper process, as outlined on their website, has been followed. Peter Merinook is a former president of Wildlife Victoria and a life member of the organisation. He also sits on a number of research animal ethics committees. Uh, Well, I would think um, taking stomach contents either from a, a live animal, which is possible, or more than likely from a dead animal, um, would require animal um, ethics approval. Um, and that's a, a process where uh, people would apply um, to utilise animals uh, for, for scientific procedures. And, and scientific procedures basically means gaining knowledge from um, animals. And people would, would know that there's um, various experimentations occurring um, in labs using um, you know rats and, and mice for human medicine, but it also encompasses um, free-living animals or wildlife. And Corella's uh, a wildlife, and so, uh, you know, to take the the stomach contents would require uh, an animal ethics um, approval and an application and and an approval uh, before that uh, could happen. And and that can take um, some time. It It all depends on when... The Animal Ethics Committee um, sits and have, has their meetings, whether it passes the application at that meeting or sends the application back for uh, further um, you know, clarification and further um, information. But whether or not the research goes ahead, it's just another conversation that Sue has had with the department and it seems that they keep changing their minds. We then find out that they have in fact deemed this permit, though I haven't been told, someone else has, they have said that this permit is in fact active and in place. 
So after all of this, we are back to where we were at the beginning. The golf club has a permit to cull Corellas. It is active. We're no further ahead than we were despite a whole month, over a month, of pointing out all the errors, all the reasons why, all the options, all the equipment, all the prices and all the choices that could have happened. So right back to the start, are we? Still fighting daily to save these gorillas, and still we fight. So yes, it appears we are back at the beginning with the Kilmore Golf Course having an active permit to kill corellas. It is simply up to them when they want to enact this permit, when they want to shoot the corellas. And given that there is no supervision and a lack of a review process, it is purely a trust system as to how many corellas are shot and that only corellas are shot. Why tried and trusted bird deterrent technology has not been implemented at Kilmore is baffling. And perhaps, as Fiona Court mentioned earlier in the program, it is because the people advising the golf course in the department are providing outdated and archaic advice. In response to my queries, I was sent a fact sheet that was just shy of 15 years old. Quite disturbingly, the fact sheet stated that sulphur-crested cockatoos, galahs and long-billed corellas were classified as unprotected wildlife under the Wildlife Act, and so you could shoot, trap or gas them. Unbelievably, the department is distributing this information that is so outdated that it advises that cockatoos are not protected and can be killed. No permit required. So for those who are advocating for non-lethal methods to be used to deter the corellas at Kilmore, this is disheartening. But for some, like Lee Gardner, the lack of communication and intelligent solutions is proving to be extremely time-consuming. Yeah, look, I've been considering to, to monitor the golf course most evenings. You'd be there for on and off for at least an hour, if not two or three hours, to keep an eye out for activities because I recently spoke to an apartment representative who signed off on the permit and he mentioned that the department had told them to stop shooting until all of this had died down. So... I suspect the pressure from the public contacting the department over the last few weeks has has been effective. So I'd suggest contacting the department to ask why non-lethal methods are not more widely used and why they continue to issue permits to kill in spite of tried, trusted and proven non-lethal methods that are being used in golf courses around Australia. I'd like to thank everyone who contributed to the program today and especially acknowledge their efforts over the past month and for some over the years to try and protect the wildlife in Victoria. If you would like to help support non-lethal means of bird deterrent at the Kilmore Golf Course, there is a Facebook page. It's called Corellas Cut Their Culling. There's a lot of information on the Facebook page. I'll also be putting links and resources on the podcast page for this show on the Freedom of Species website. Also, feel free to contact the department, the Victorian Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning, and ask them to update their advice on how to manage wildlife. 
to train their officers in non-lethal means and to do some research into the new technologies that are available for deterring birds. That's it for us this week. I'll leave you with another Bernard Fanning tune. This one is called Songbird. See you again next week. I knew which button to push Then I'd know how to please you It's sad but true So I'll just listen in down the line While you're busy mixing grape with grain To sedate your pain You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.